0: You are listening to episode number 32 of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. Over the last month, I have shared the what, the why, and the how to start shifting your thinking to make your pedagogy or your teaching practice more student-centered this upcoming school year. We've talked about what student-centered pedagogy is and isn't, why it will help your students and at the same time make it easier for you to serve your students, And last week, we covered four practical ways you can take existing resources you have and shift them to become more student-centered in your classroom. So if you missed any of the last three episodes, make sure to check out episodes 29, 30, and 31 before listening to this one. But even after covering all of that, I know it can still feel really overwhelming to try something new in your classroom. If the idea of making a shift to a more student-centered style of teaching still feels like too much with everything you have on your plate going into this school year, then today's episode is for you. I'm going to share in detail one change you can make this year to make the move in the right direction and to really get the ball rolling to make more changes in the future when you feel more up to it. Ready to hear more about this? I can't wait to tell you. Let's do it. I know that some of you listening are heading into the new school year with a lot of enthusiasm. You've reflected on what worked and didn't work last year. You have rested and recharged this summer. You are ready to tackle all that the new school year brings. You're excited to try some new strategies I've shared over the last few weeks on the podcast, and you're excited to see how they may transform your teaching practice and your classroom culture. But I also know that that is not the case for all of you. Some of you are listening and you're still recovering from last year. Some of you have barely had a chance to unplug and rest. And so the idea of trying new ideas this upcoming school year seems utterly exhausting. I totally get that. I have had school years that I've taken a lot longer to recover from than summer break allowed. And I've had summer break so full that come August and back to school season, it felt like I never even left my classroom. So... I wanted to end this series in the podcast with an episode dedicated to those of you out there who like the idea of shifting your pedagogy to be more student centered, but truly feel like you have zero capacity to do so. I'm going to walk you through one change you can make this year to your teaching practice to make this shift. And that is to incorporate one long term PBL style project this year. So first, what is PBL? PBL stands for project based learning, and it's really is fundamentally about creating new opportunities for students to both learn and demonstrate their learning. It is student centered to the core and completely collaborative, which I love. I'm always looking for more ways to build opportunities for students to grow in their autonomy and have them be at the center of their learning rather than me. And I found that PBL is a great way to just naturally do that. Now, project-based learning is different from problem-based learning, despite the fact that they have the same PBL acronym. You know, we like to keep things as simple as possible in education world, am I right? But they are similar in that they both involve student choice, finding topics and problems for students to study and investigate that really interest them. They both involve analysis and research. But project-based learning and problem-based learning differ mainly in their goals. So the goal of project-based learning is to learn through a process to ultimately complete a product. Whereas the goal of problem-based learning is to create a solution to a problem. And so both are incredibly student-centered, but I'm going to be speaking specifically about PBL in terms of project-based learning because that's my experience. So my main motivations when I started to incorporate more PBL style learning in my high school science classes were threefold. One, I wanted to create more opportunities for non-traditional summative assessments. You know, we talked about this in episode 31, but I love tests just for like the simplicity and the consistency of having a unit test. I love that rhythm. I love how they feel really objective. But I'm also aware that they are just not necessarily the best way to represent student learning and student understanding. So I knew that. If I wanted to hang on to keeping tests in my classroom, I needed to create more opportunities for my students to show me their understanding. And so PBL really set me up to do that. The second motivation I had was I wanted to increase my students' autonomy. And I wanted to shift my pedagogy to be more student-centered. And PBL is perfect for that. And lastly, I really wanted to create the space to allow my students to investigate something meaningful to them so that they could see truly the relevance of what they were learning in our classroom. And I just was so excited about the idea that there are always so many more questions than I can ever answer in a given school year of my students. And I loved that incorporating a long-term PBL style project would give the space to investigate some of those things that I didn't always have the time to get to. Now, one thing I also love about project-based learning is it's really focused on the process and the product. It's all about the learning experience and that end result. Now, True PBL is done in groups, and it's multidisciplinary. And PBL also has a community component. So students share their findings with a community audience, so to speak, and then they reflect on the feedback that they receive from that audience. But that's why I keep saying PBL style. Because unless you're in a school that is like a PBL school that is defined by doing true PBL, you don't have to do every aspect of the PBL process. You can pick and choose kind of what you love from it. And that's kind of what I've done in the PBL style long-term projects that I've designed. I've taken what feels really manageable about them and what really gets to the heart of PBL, and then I've kind of tweaked it and simplified it for my students in my classes. So that's why I keep saying PBL style, by the way. Okay, so why do I think using PBL is so great, especially for those of us teaching high schoolers in science? Now, I think it's great for all subjects, and I really feel like it has a role in every subject, but I just especially love how we can use it as high school science teachers. Research is such an essential part of science, and it's essential to the PBL process. So those go hand in hand. And science is also naturally, I feel like, very interdisciplinary. Scientific writing brings in ELA components. Pretty much every science course has some sort of mathematical analysis or mathematical thinking in it, computational thinking. It's all central to science and to scientific research. And also science is arguably the most relevant subject our students take in high school. And now I don't think there's a lot of other non-science teachers listening to the Secondary Science Simplified podcast, but if you are, don't come at me. Obviously, I'm biased. I think science is the best because I'm a science teacher. But I just think it's so easy to take what students learn in our science classes and apply it to what they're living and experiencing in the real world. And that's why I just love being a science teacher. And being a science teacher lends itself so well to PBL projects and project-based learning. I love giving my students projects too because they don't have a right answer. So I love giving them some sort of project that might have you know some ethical considerations they have to research or some societal implications they have to research. Both of these things naturally come up with pretty much any research-based science project our students will do. And so I love that. And when there's no right answer... It sets it up for really authentic assessments of student knowledge because they can't really cheat because there's not one answer they're searching for. So as you can hear from my enthusiastic spiel there, I just love so many things about projects and specifically PBL and mainly that PBL is student-led to the core. It's student-centered, it's multidisciplinary, and it's relevant I love that it incorporates student choice, it helps get students thinking about their community, and it gets them practice with communicating findings of the learning process by making products. So why is this such a big deal? Why is PBL so good for us as science teachers to incorporate? It's so great because this is the type of learning that is going to engage our students and give them essential practice with critical skills that they're going to use their entire lives. PBL gets them researching, synthesizing ideas, asking questions, collaborating with their peers and with people in the community. It gets them revising. It gets them processing feedback and using that feedback to make changes. It has them managing their time, project planning, making community and cross-curricular connections, and varying communication formats they get to practice with, as well as just reflecting in general. So if you've been looking for a different way to summatively assess your students, you know, at the end of the year or mid-year, or if you've been looking for a way to challenge your students to see the relevance and the interconnectedness of every topic you're covering all year long, or like this whole podcast series, if you're just looking for one thing to add next year to become a more student-centered classroom. PBL, I think, is the way to go. It is such a great way to do this. And I have resources to help you with it that I will link in the show notes if you just want something that you can like plug and play right away. But I also just want to equip you to make your own. So here's how I recommend getting started. I think if you want to implement some sort of long term project with your students next year that could count for their midterm or count towards a final exam, but that is completely student choice driven. They get to make all the decisions. It's research-based, all of that. I think the basic list of things that you need to prep are one, some sort of rubric so that they know how their final product, whatever they choose it to be, will be evaluated. So you need a rubric. Second, I think you need a list of driving questions or of essential questions that either they can choose from or just to give them an example of what their research question could be. Third thing I think you need is I think you need to create some space in your lesson plans to talk about this with students and to give them time to plan out their projects and do some research to really get them thinking. Fourth is I think you need to have something where you're checking in with students on a consistent basis. So maybe you're giving them some sort of timeline of your semester and saying, hey, if I was you, I would want to do X, Y, Z by this date or, you know, ABC by this date and say, I'm going to check in with you once a month or I'm going to check in with you at the end of each unit. I'm going to help be your project manager and help make sure that you're pacing yourself and you don't get overwhelmed by this at the end of the year. I would also create space in your unit plans that you can create a day or two where students can get feedback from their peers on their research, on their findings, on what they're planning for their product, that kind of thing. And then last, I really think it's so valuable students can present these to the class and then get feedback and then they can reflect on them as well. So I think that's kind of the basics you need to start tomorrow with some sort of PBL style project. But if you have zero energy to do this, don't worry, I've got you. This is one of the things I created last summer that I was really excited about. And I made three kind of PBL style packs I call them year-long independent research projects because I don't know if I can like fully claim the term PBL just because I think it's more PBL inspired, not necessarily tr- completely true PBL, but I made these for biology and I made them for physical science and anatomy. I have all of the things I mentioned. I have rubrics, check-ins, I have lists list of like 20 driving questions or 15, I think, 15 to 25 for each one of different driving questions your students could research or that you could give them to kind of inspire their own questions for research. And I have all of those prepared for you. I designed these kind of be like extension projects for my more advanced students that they could do outside of my class that would really reinforce the real world application of everything we were covering and the connections between all of the content we covered all year long. But you can adapt these and use them so many different ways. You can do it entirely in class. You can make it a partner project or a group project. You can do it over the course of a semester or over the course of a year. I include pacing timelines for both, depending on what works best for you. Or again, you can use it as a final assessment for your course. That's a non-traditional assessment, different from a traditional multiple choice and open response exam. And again, I love these. I think they're super fun. I call them PBL style because I kind of took all my favorite aspects of PBL that are really student centered, like the emphasis on student voice and choice and student autonomy and the value of the investigative process and researching and creating products and having the freedom to create whatever product you want to represent your understanding. But I also know that like these are not true 100% PBL because they lack, you know, some of the collaborative nature and community aspects that would be required to make it true PBL. But at the end of the day, I think this is about not fitting what you're doing into some educational term, because we feel like we have to make it align with this thing, but just giving you one strategy you can take away right now to use and make your classroom feel more student centered next year. And to give your students an opportunity to really take some ownership of their learning. Cause that's what this whole series has been all about. So I hope that if there's one thing you all decide to do differently this school year to kind of shift your pedagogy or your teaching practice to be more student-centered. It's to add a PBL-style project like I've talked about to your toolbox. And again, it doesn't have to be this like perfect PBL thing. Give yourself flexibility. Do it in a way that feels manageable to you, but still gets your students in charge of their learning and at the center of it, because that's what this whole series has been about. Thank you for listening to today's episode and this entire series if you've been along for the ride this month. You can find any of the links I mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash episode 32. And remember, I've got to bring this up one more time, but if you just feel so overwhelmed going into back-to-school season and you just want one tangible thing you can tackle right now to feel productive and prepared going into the new school year, then go to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge and get my free classroom reset challenge. It walks you through checklists of five tasks in order to get your teaching space ready and prepared for next school year. It's a really nice tangible thing you can do to kind of breathe easier and feel prepared going into another school year. So I really hope you find it helpful. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend.